0: This is APCO Forum, powered by APCO Worldwide, an advisory and advocacy communications firm. Now, here's your host, John Deftarius.
1: Hello and welcome to the APCO Forum, timely conversations catalyzing progress on global topics. I'm John DeVterius of APCO Worldwide. In this series, uh, we're following the 76th session of the United Nations General Assembly, or UNGA, or UNGA. It's a great convening point for global leaders to focus on the major issues of today. In parallel with these meetings, APCO experts and guests will be engaging in discussions to uncover insights that help unpack the issues at play. And to kick off today's discussion on food security, let me welcome in the former U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, Dan Glickman. Uh, He is the chairman of the International Advisory Council for APCO Worldwide. Dan, it's great to have you. Uh, With your experience on Capitol Hill, uh, also at the Department of Agriculture for the United States, give us a sense uh, at this UNGA how you see the major issues of the week, but advancing that agenda
2: for 2022 at the same time. Well, first of all, thank you, John, and thanks to APCO for arranging this. So I would say... Four or five things. Quickly, it's great that food and food security is highlighted in the the agenda agenda of UNGA and the UN Food uh, Systems Summit. For years and years, food and agriculture were relegated to what I believe was an unimportant role, and that is changing because of its significance in in global politics. Uh, And so this conversation is very timely indeed. So if you were to ask me what are the two or three or four things that are really key here, one, in the era of COVID, it's gonna affect everything we're talking about in terms of food and food security. But number one, of course, is access, particularly in the developing world, access to food in the period where we have Hunger and malnutrition afflicting vast segments of the developing world. So access to food. Second would be climate. Climate and sustainability. Climate is having great impact. We've seen fires all over the world because of drought and heat and excessive floods like we saw in New York City. And that's happening throughout the world as well. And how we're able to provide a supply of food and keep the supply chains going with climate being so unpredictable. And the third thing is nutrition. So we talk a lot about the volume and calories of food, but the relationship between health, nutrition, medicine, and agriculture have been an underappreciated area. And so many people have serious medical diseases from diabetes to cardiovascular diseases to other things as a result of us not paying enough attention to nutrition. So those would be three of the topics I think uh, would be worthy of this further discussion.
1: Great, Dan. Uh, thanks for the nice introduction here. And I want to bring in uh, Devery bufner who's the founder and CEO of uh, Devery BV Sustainable Strategies. Uh, she worked for years in the time that I knew her at uh, Cargill, the global food giant, and also at Grubhub as well uh, at the start of uh, 2021. Uh, Devery, let's uh, bring in this idea of the gender gap. And I want to highlight also the, the COVID-19 pandemic Does it make it even worse uh, when it comes to food security uh, because of the supply chains that Dan was talking about in his intro here being broken during the pandemic?
0: Hi, John, thank you. And it's a delight to also be here with you, Mr. Secretary. Um, So what you rightly point out, John, that what what COVID brought to the forefront is uh, the role of women in food and agriculture and also the impact, um, the, the outsized impact um, that events like a pandemic or um, climate-based events can have on women. Women produce anywhere between 50 to 60, to sometimes in some places, 70% of the world's food. So not only are they bearing the burden of ensuring uh, that, that we have a secure food supply, at the same time, they're the caregivers, they're the, the often the leaders in their community, um, they are uh, focused on ensuring nutrition for, for the, their, their young um, children and for children in the community. And so what we saw during COVID was that, um, in addition, they're also employed uh, in the food sector. So as, as the pandemic took hold, women were disproportionately impacted. One from, as Dan mentions, an access standpoint, but two, um, a lot of women were bearing the burden of trying to maintain their roles in the, in you know, in society, in jobs, and at the same time, ensuring childcare, et cetera. They've just, they've had an outsized and disproportionate impact, and I'm, I'm pleased to see that over the course of the year, the United Nations uh, Food Systems Summit apparatus has prioritized not only women but other. Um, vulnerable communities such as youth and indigenous people and smallholders to ensure that we are focused on those that are actually most instrumental in our food supply chain.
1: You know, Dan, you built a a track record in my early days as a journalist uh, on Capitol Hill, in your 18 years in Congress of being bipartisan, a collective approach to policy. And I sat down with a diplomat in the past week here uh, in London, uh, who said, geez, uh, things are broken when it comes to international organizations. So, what does it mean for rebooting uh, the United Nations and giving the right attention to food security and the distribution chains that we're talking about? And that even, would even include, as you know, the World Trade Organization lowering barriers to make sure that food supplies can go in and out of countries during this critical window?
2: Well, first of all, it's a great question. Uh, and there is no question that uh, right now food security is, a, you know, is an extraordinarily high priority. And uh, COVID has uh, had a remarkably negative impact in, in terms of uh, not only supply chains, as you've talked about, but, but by and large, food and food security have been more bipartisan in the United States than most other issues. And that's a, that's a positive thing in terms of passage of the Farm Bill, in terms of support for the UN World Food Program. The United States maintains great bipartisan support for helping hungry people around the world. And we see so much toxic partisanship in almost everything. But when it comes to helping hungry people around the world, um, the U.S. has managed to avoid the deep partisan Uh, schisms that uh, we've seen in other areas, and we just got to keep that going as well. And we also have to keep food security issues at the top of the global agenda. And um, so that's why it's so important that uh, both political parties in America align on these issues.
1: Uh, Deborah, you have uh, years of experience at Cargill, uh, both in uh, China and India, uh, exposure to Latin America and you feel very passionate about this idea that the the corporate world needs to be engaged when it comes to food safety and security especially during this uncertain uh, window of time that we're living in in this period of history what does that mean when you say uh, corporate responsibility when it comes to the food sector
0: well i appreciate the question and to follow on from the institutional question you just asked um dan as it relates to you know, the, the opportunity we have around the UN Food Systems Summit, it, it's actually been quite controversial, John, that corporate, you know, corporations have been involved. And, that it, and in fact, my view is that they have not been involved enough. And what I mean by that is that um, the, the traditional you know, food industry players as, you know, that come together to address the global supply chains, the food security issues, the standards, the safety, the access, they're at the table. And also some small and medium enterprise folks are at the table. But where I think there's great opportunity for more uh, corporate involvement is beyond some of those traditional players. When we we think about the impact that the technology sector and some of these tech platforms have on the distribution of food, Uh, when we think about financial services or the transportation industry or the broader manufacturing industry or even telecom, where I see a great opportunity is that we get a broader cross-section of companies, corporate leaders at the table to put food security squarely at the center. Uh, I often like to say that companies and global companies that invest all over the world in places like India and China and Brazil and in the United States, they cannot operate in failed states and the most critical component to a, you know, the the basic building block to a secure state is food security. And so I often ask, why don't why don't we reach out beyond the traditional players? And so I think that um, there are there are players at the table right now uh, as part of the food system summit. But our great opportunity is to take the agenda and the outcomes that are coming out of this summit, John, and find a way to bring additional players and accountability of those players to the table.
1: I wanted to add one other element to this, and this is the cost of food around the world, Uh, the inflation that we're seeing. Uh, Dan, I remember the days of when I was in university with uh, Paul Volcker trying to stamp out inflation in the early 1980s. We're not at that level, Uh, but if you look at the basket uh, for common goods all around the world, developing world and the developed world, it's probably an inflation uh, of 10 to 15 percent when it comes to foodstuffs. How do you tackle
2: that challenge at the same time? Well, it's certainly a global effort. We've seen, I just saw this morning's uh, news stories, that food prices are going up, not only in the United States, but globally. And a lot of that is the impact on sub- COVID on supply chains. A lot of that has to do with uh, uh, fa- famine and, uh, and uh, uh, weather problems and climate-related issues. I did want to mention to what Devery, she made a very interesting point about involving others. You know, Napoleon said, war is too important to be left to the generals. And it strikes me that food policy is too important just to be left to people in the food industry. It is it – is, it affects everybody in this world, from politicians to people in the manufacturing sector, having an effective workforce, and, of course, technology issues, which we haven't talked about yet. And so it is really great that the UN is focusing on this topic in a much broader perspective than only just farmers and consumers, and they're very important. Agriculture is obviously very, very important in this mix, but there are a lot of other players who are also very important.
1: In the spirit of COP26, let's get both of you to comment on this. Uh, uh, There are some concerns that there's some real log jams when you have droughts and the floods that Dan was talking about uh, earlier, Devery. Uh, How do you uh, fit the food equation into the COP26 talks? It's vital, is it not, uh, to make sure we get an agreement that uh, has some real teeth on
0: it? It, it, it absolutely. I mean, it's not only vital in terms of the impact that uh, the climate discussions have on our ability to produce food, but also the impact that production of food has on the climate. So, it is central to the discussion. And um, frankly, where where we will get these these commitments on, among governments is really important um, as it relates to you know CO2 reduction, um, combating and actually eliminating deforestation. That's going to be critical where I see the opportunity uh, for in the food space, and it is popping up uh, going forward post-COP, you know, post the, the COP26, is that we're starting to see voluntary, you know, efforts like voluntary carbon markets popping up. You you, you you will pick that up on in every, you know, newspaper of the day. And you're seeing large players outside of the food industry starting to, you know, develop carbon trading desks. You know, the big challenge will be... Can we, you know, can we expedite um, not only the commitments, but the action toward these commitments fast enough to reduce carbon in a way that's not going to impact our ability to produce food. So it is, it's actually, it should be, as Dan and I would naturally say, at the top of the agenda. Our ability as a, as a global society to secure our food supply is absolutely dependent on our ability to address uh, the, the, the broader climate change agenda.
1: Uh, Dan, would you weigh in on this uh, what uh, debri 's talking about because i 'm getting very concerned that many people are talking about multiple paths on cop twenty six which kind of could be I need more leeway in the developing world to have a longer roadmap ahead, and then does that forestall any real progress from the developed world? Uh, it sounds a little bit dangerous, and the u s and China are not on the same page entirely here when it comes to climate you, change? You
2: know, first of all, I concur with what Devry said, but you know the old phrase, let a thousand flowers bloom? Well, unfortunately, when it comes, quite frankly, to a lot of United Nations activities, everybody wants to do their own thing. And when you have too many flowers bloom, nothing blooms. So one mm-hmm. of, I think, my points is what COP needs to focus is on some specifics, some specific deliverables. For example, Technology is going to be our friend in solving a lot of problems in terms of pest resistance, uh, uh, resistance to uh, carbon emissions. And uh, so we have to look at technology as a friend and not as an enemy. And that has sometimes happened in recent years. A specific example is water. Seventy percent of the water in the world is used to irrigate crops and feed animals. 30% 30% is for everything else, drinking water, industrial use of water. We're going to have to find, and, and the people who are going to be hurt most by this clash between the use of water in urban and rural areas are people in the in the developing world, and also farmers who need water so desperately to produce their crops. So water and technology are, are a couple of areas that I hope that COP is able to, like, try to facilitate uh, agreements between both the developing and the developed world. The danger in COP is we get too many ideas and they are so general that nobody is going to be able to follow them. That's what worries me the most.
1: OK, I have one question for each one of you. For you, Devry, it's uh, gen- genetically modified foods. Uh, it, not accepted in the European Union in a great way. Uh, can they become the, the norm to solve the security problem?
0: Absolutely. Technology will be a huge part of us getting out of the insecurity issue. And my, my prediction is that over time, with um, enhanced conversations and real engagement, not just education of consumers, but engagement of consumers around the benefits of technology, you know, 10 years from now, we won't be having the same controversial conversations. GMOs will be a critical component. Of addressing, as, as Dan mentioned, so the, you know the water uses issues, et cetera, but also um, it will be a critical component in um, in in addressing things like going from meat, you know, meat production traditionally just animal-based agriculture to also folding in other opportunities around plant-based, et cetera. That's all taking place. I'm an optimist that um, the technology will be something that we can actually converse and engage consumers um, and invite them. Uh, to the conversation, as opposed to impose uh, the the topic on them.
1: Dan, overpopulation, it's a thorny issue, a sensitive one in certain parts of the world, Uh, but this does play into the overall narrative of uh, food supplies
2: uh, and demand. Well, obviously, education has a lot to do with the issue of overpopulation. And in societies that are educated, especially where girls are educated, provided the opportunities, you you tend to see uh, uh, some of these issues uh, uh, better resolved. It also will take uh, bilateral and multilateral discussions between the U.S. and China and other countries to try to work on this population issue. And one final point is the whole issue of food waste. You know, we throw away about a third of all the food that we produce in this world. In the U.S., we throw it away because of affluence. In the rest of the world, they throw it away for a lot of other reasons, including uh, spoilage and not having refrigeration and not having kinds of electricity. So um, uh, that relates to the whole issue of population in terms of the fact that if we could find ways to deal more effectively with food waste, uh, the population explosion might be a little more workable.
1: Dan, that's a very good uh, point to wrap up the APCO forum here. Dan Glickman, the former U.S. Secretary of Agriculture and former member of Congress uh, in the United States. And Devery bufner uh, the founder and CEO of Devery BV Sustainable Strategies, joining us within this forum, which we hope serves as a catalyst for progress for corporations around the world on the key issues and the challenges in this unusual period uh, in history. Uh, Join us on the APCO Forum from this point forward. Uh, Sign up for our newsletter and podcast, of course, and follow us on our social media channels at APCO Worldwide. I'm John Devterius. Thanks for joining us.